It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Hope you really will enjoy the show. I'm doing it on location, as I sometimes say. I'm actually in Idaho, closing out the waterfowl hunting season with my longtime friend who's going to join me this morning, Carrie Luff. Hey, Carrie, thanks for being with me. Thanks, Charlie. I'm glad to be here. So you and I are having the privilege of seeing a little bit of what the Pacific Flyway is about when it comes to ducks and geese, but we're not going to talk about that this morning, at least not at the beginning, Carrie. I want to talk okay. about two things that happen. And uh, for those of you listening, we're going to put a little bit of a different twist on them. The first is I'm going to talk about the Supreme Court and the fact that we're going to have a bank in the Supreme Court. And it's my feeling, Carrie, and Carrie Luft is the Executive Vice President of the Mexico Wildlife Foundation, a longtime leader at outdoor communications who you've heard of here many times. And Carrie used to a lot of work with the Chicago Tribune, reporting on the Supreme Court, things like that. So my question to you, Carrie, on the Supreme Court is that it used to be a long time ago, a foregone conclusion that a fair number of justices in the United States Supreme Court hunted and fished and understood the outdoor lifestyle. Justice Scalia was a strong advocate of the rights of people to hunt and fish. He loved himself as a passionate bird hunter. Uh, he loved to hunt and deer. I actually met him once in Mississippi when he was hunting, and we talked for quite a period of time about his love of the outdoors. So here we are today, and we're going to appoint a new justice to the Supreme Court, supposedly soon, and the Supreme Court probably doesn't have any strong attachment to the outdoors in our, our history of hunting and fishing. Is that a fair statement to say? Um, you know, without uh, being privy to the private pastimes of the newest Supreme Court justices, yes, I think it's a very fair statement, Charlie. I mean, surely Justice Scalia was a, a rabid hunter and outdoors person. Um, you know, I do not know about Justice Gorsuch or Justice Kavanaugh. Um, I do know that Justice Scalia, ironically, in his zeal to bring other people into hunting, introduced uh, Justice Kagan and Justice Sotomayor to shooting and hunting. Um, but I do not believe that there is an active, at least um, a justice who wears his or her status as a hunter proudly on their sleeve anymore. So, Terry, what do you think it means to the future of litigation, if you will, if the Supreme Court does not have active participants who are either people who love to fish or love to hunt or come from that heritage, does that, in, a, in an increasingly litigious society, do you think that creates issues that maybe historically we haven't dealt with? 
Um, quite possibly, Charlie. I mean, you know, one of the things that we, you and I have talked about quite a bit in uh, in past shows have, has, was the pebble mine effort in uh, Alaska, which would have ruined the greatest salmon fishery on Earth. And though that did not come to the Supreme Court, imagine, if you will, what would have happened if the pristine nature of a habitat or an environment, if you will, were not valued. Um, that's what we need in this country is more people who understand whether they hunt or fish or not, that these places are precious and that they're good for all of us. They're not just good for businesses. They're not just good for hunters. They're not good, just good for anglers. They're good for everybody. Um, you know, I'm standing here looking at a beautiful trout stream and, and, you know, that's pure water. And it's, it's, uh, it's, and it's amazing piece of property that shows you what good habitat can do for populations of wildlife or trees or fish or mammals. Um, it's, it's astonishing. And if we don't value that, Charlie, whether we're justices or, or lawmakers or even private citizens, we run the risk of losing it. Well, I, I would say that I personally am, am troubled by the lack of connection to the sporting world, hunting and fishing in particular, that probably justices across the spectrum increasingly have. But when I, and this is not a political statement, it's not at all, but when you look at the qualifications that President of the United States has set, set forth for who they would like to be a Supreme Court justice, the chances are that individual will not be one who understands the heritage of hunting and fishing. And we could end up with maybe a couple on the court who understand it but have never participated, and the rest who really have no attachment. So I guess, Carrie, well, you, you would guess you would guess, Charlie, that they would hopefully honor precedents that had been set by previous people who understand it. I mean, um, you know, that is how the law works. And really, your emotions aren't supposed to play into those um, attachments, but surely they will. They, you know, everybody's human. Um, I would hope, I would hope, Charlie, that whomever becomes the next Supreme Court justice follows precedent, understands the value of nature, understands the the common welfare of these places that are so important to all of us, and uh, keep our fingers crossed. And as Kerry Luff says that, we are in the mountains of southern Idaho watching a spectacle of nature, both with avian birds, predator species that are, are in numbers that are just unbelievable, as well as wildfowl populations. And as Kerry said a moment ago, a trout stream flowing by him. And here we are at the end of January. Yes, I'm sorry for those of us. Those of you in Chicago listening, I know how cold it's been there in Chicago this week. We're coming back, though. But we did, uh, <laughs> Gary, we, we did have to go do something afield. And you've got a lot of wind where you're standing right now. But, um, yeah. Gary, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to bring it back to the state of Illinois. And I want to talk about a bill that's been introduced in the, in the, state, house, in the state legislature to abolish the, con the Natural Resource Conservation Board in the state of Illinois. And let's talk about what that might mean. But for those of you listening, I'd just like to end this segment by saying the Supreme Court ultimately will decide, may decide at some point in time, the future of 
of hunting in America. And it's important that we have people on the Supreme Court who understand the passion, the heritage, the conservation that has been driven by people who love to hunt and fish. And uh, we have a chance to put a justice on potentially for a very long time. And let's hope that they understand that. We'll be back in just a moment with much more in the great outdoors. And we're going to come back to Illinois, talk about breaking news. I'm visiting with Carrie Luck, the Executive Vice President of the Maxim Grow Wildlife Foundation. And this is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And first, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. In the field, hunters need to be alert, sense the environment around them and know exactly where they are, communicate seamlessly with their dogs. And when it comes to pickup trucks, you want the same qualities. The all-new Chevy Silverado comes with an available 4G Wi-Fi hotspot for seamless communication. It's designed to handle the toughest loads with advanced trailering technology, tough on the road and off. And the all-new design gives you more cargo space than the competition. Chevy Silverado is the most dependable, longest-lasting, full-size pickup on the road. Plus, there's never been a better time to see your local Chevy dealer about the Big Fix lease. It's an amazing lease deal that can lower your monthly payments and give you more Chevy, all for less money. That's a treasure hunt. So head to your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and see why Chevy is the number one best-selling brand in Chicagoland, now eight years running. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm on location this week with Carrie Luft, and we're in Idaho. But we're certainly thinking about things in Illinois, and I want to turn to Illinois now and a story that broke this week, legislation being introduced to abolish the Natural Resource Conservation Board, which is the board that oversees the Department of Natural Resources. And Carrie, as I to start this discussion, I, I can say, and, and I served, I served on the Illinois Conservation Natural Resource Conservation Board under Governor Edgar, under Governor Ryan, and then under Governor Rauner. So I actually carry, I guess, I, I have a fair amount of history with this board. Not going to bring that into discussion today one way or the other, but it is definitely news when the advisory board to the Department of Natural Resources is potentially on the chopping block. What do you make of it? Well, I uh, I don't know what to make of it, Charlie, uh, except that we'll have to watch it as it winds its way through the labyrinth known as the Illinois General Assembly. Um, I would say, Charlie, that I think that the time is ripe for more citizen input uh, with the uh, Illinois Department of Natural Resources. As you know, um, the Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation, where I worked and had the privilege of working, uh, about six years ago, convened a blue ribbon panel of uh, former conservation, retired conservation leaders who ran some of the best uh, natural resource agencies in the country. And their overwhelming recommendation uh, was to, uh, to the natural resources community at large, but Illinois in specific was to establish a commission form of governance uh, for the IDNR. And that is a hallmark of all really well-run IDNRs in the, uh, DNRs in the country. I'm not trying to criticize uh, Director Callahan. I think she's doing an excellent job. 
but if uh, director, if this goes through, I would very much, very much hope that the IDNR would be able to reconvene uh, the Conservation Congress, which was very successful under the leadership of Brett Manning, who you and I both know very well. And uh, hopefully this will be a step and impetus towards better representation for um, for our citizens who support the DNR and all of our citizens, rather than a disbanding of the board. Let's hope, Charlie, it's a step towards improvement, uh, step moving forward, getting more people involved with DNR, more feedback and more responsiveness in government overall. Well, I think it's an opportunity, Carrie. And, and yes. for those of you listening, I mentioned that I served under three governors on the Illinois Conservation Board. And I, I had the privilege of working with Director Manning at the time uh, uh, with both Governor Edgar and Governor Ryan. And I would say that it was a board that the director of the DNR used to help him uh, develop policy and then to help sell policy. It was a it was a board that that he worked very closely with to to garner their support and their help. And and subsequent to that time, I, I think the board has Kerry lost a lot of its purpose. And I had the privilege mm-hmm. of going back on it under Governor Rauner, and that was you know 15 years later, or actually longer than that, 20 years later. And it was a very different board, and I did not find it to be anywhere near as useful. And I have a feeling that Director Callahan has come to the conclusion that there's a better way and that this board is no longer a sounding, you know, someplace she can go to get good advice and help drive programs through and uh, and also have good governance. So if we, in fact, in Illinois can move towards a commission structure because of the abolition of the abolishment of the Natural Resource Board, that would be It'd be fabulous for the state of Illinois, and we would we would get professional management. So, I guess maybe and you know there there might be something behind this. Might be step one, and if the director of the DNR and the governor want to move to a commission, what you're saying from the Blue Ribbon report that was issued, that would be a strong recommendation to do so. That would that would have been the Blue Ribbon panel's number one recommendation to to help professionalize the IDNR. And as the report said, reverted to its rightful position atop the list of natural resource agencies in America. I think Director Callahan has done a terrific job. And I hope that this proposal is something that she's in favor of because I have deep confidence that she is trying to get better governance and uh, and more citizen input in the Department of Natural Resources. And as a uh, citizen of Illinois, I'm all for it. Well, you and I both have had the pleasure of, of meeting the director and also the deputy director, John Rogner, who's a, a real pro. And yep. and from this, I have to read, for those of you listening this morning, you have to read in the tea leaves a little bit that, that maybe this is, I don't think the legis, a legislator just dreamt this up and said, we're going to get rid of the board. I think this is a concerted effort by the director, potentially, to professionalize Illinois Department of Natural Resources and take it back to where it was really well regarded. And, and we certainly, as you mentioned, Kerry, Director Callahan is, has done a magnificent job uh, in, in trying to restore a lot of credibility and morale. And with John Rogner at her side, I think they're doing it. So maybe 
Maybe this is the launching pad. They have already uh, accelerated or revised some practices that I'm not saying that the McGraw report compelled them to do that, but they are embracing many, many precepts of good governance and leadership and management. And um, I'm really happy. There There are a lot of real pros at the IDNR. Um, but over time, they had gotten some. Uh, they had gotten demoralized, and um, I think that we are on our way. Let's keep our fingers crossed to a return to when the IDNR was really, really hitting on all cylinders. Well, as we we wind down this morning, Carrie, I do have to comment that when I think of people who served on the on the on the board over time, there were giants in Illinois who did that. And when I look at, mm-hmm. at the makeup of the board today, I'm not diminishing anyone's in, in abilities or whatever, but it doesn't seem to me it has the strength that the board at one point did. And it, it may become more of a parking lot for, for friends of, of people. And that's probably an unfair thing to say, but I don't think it has the, it has the, the stature that it once did. So, um, I guess we'll stay tuned, Carrie. It broke this week. We'll see what happens. And for those of you, who have a real interest in better governance, I think Director Callahan's on the right track in a lot of the things. And if we can get this across the finish line and a discussion for another day, Carrie, might be uh, the need again for a Conservation Congress. But that's a discussion for another day. I thank you for being with me. And Mr. Luft, Mr. Carrie Luft and I will be closing out the waterfowl season in the mountains of Idaho tomorrow. And I'll be back in the studio next week with much more in the great outdoors. Thanks so much for listening. This is the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America. Charlie Potter, your host, 720 WGN.